Leaders of businesses and nonprofit organizations are starting to imagine life after the pandemic. As things get back to something closer to normal, people who have suffered emotionally and financially say they will still need help. I, I really truly feel like even just having some sort of acknowledgement within your organization makes a huge difference because then it lets everybody know that there are people within your community of work here that are struggling and that are working through something that is life altering. Hi, I'm Irene Silber. This is one in a series of podcasts, part of the Vanguard Vaccination Project. Today, the Vanguard Network's Ken Banta speaks with three people. Chris Kotcher, who runs the support group COVID Survivors for Change, and also with Veronica Aumada, who lost her father and uncle to COVID. Also Whitney Parker, who lost her 31-year-old husband. Our audience uh, in particular is leaders of organizations, whether they're for-profit or non-profit or social impact organizations. How can leaders like that work with you and your team on your mission? First and foremost is recognizing um, that you know they will um, have had employees who have had COVID, um, who have lost someone to COVID. And so just thinking about what their um, if they've been remote, what that return to the workforce looks like or what programming that they can offer to support um, families who have been impacted and whether it's um, resources or support um, to just recognize that, um, you know, that that impact is unique and how people are returning to work um, in person or virtually. Um, I think, you know, recognizing that uh, they have a unique role to play, the policies that they can craft, for example, you know, we're here talking about vaccination, they can offer paid time off. Um, for employees to make sure that they know that getting vaccinated is a priority. Um, they can require um, vaccination um, or require you know, disclosure of vaccination, um, requiring masks, continuing to require masks. So there are a lot of things that people can do um, as business leaders to sort of help drive um, the community towards um, where we need to go. And just you know, being leaders in their community, talking to people um, on the ground in their community about what they need and how that they can um, best help the people who have been impacted by COVID in their community. One of the very important factors that we're finding with uh, business leaders or the people who work for them is identifying resources that can give them guidance about what to do. Uh, would you be that kind of resource or is that not in your scope of uh, activity? I think I think around some of it, depending on what they're looking for. I mean, I think that, you know, regarding vaccination, that's a huge national effort. And so um, some of the policies around where and how and uh, vaccination are probably best you know, at the CDC level um, or other national resources, um, but certainly supporting, thinking, helping them think through how they can create a supportive environment, recognizing that you know, under the worst of circumstances, people have experienced deep grief and trauma. Under the best circumstances, people have experienced um, a tremendous uh, amount of challenges over the past year with virtual learning or whatever. So even if they haven't lost someone to COVID, they've also dealing with a lot. And so helping them think through how they can make their, their uh, you know, workplace, a trauma-informed workplace is something that definitely we would be um, you know, happy to help uh, companies think through. Veronica, let's turn to you and, and your story. Tell us uh, what happened with you. What's been, uh, what was your story during the pandemic and uh, how did you come into contact with, uh, with Chris and his organization? I am a speech and language pathologist. So, and my husband is a chef. 
Mm-hmm. So initially when things shut down, um, my husband immediately lost his job. So we had a great deal of financial stress uh, put on us and I work with children with disabilities. And so my hours were significantly reduced. So at the outset, the, you know, financial security part was, was put into question and that was really stressful. I wish that I could say that that was going to be the worst of it, but then in October, my dad got sick and he died on December 4th. And I'm sorry if I get a little emotional. Um, and then um, just a few months later on February, on Valentine's Day of 2021, my uncle died. So, um, you know, we started with some things that me and my husband had to work through and um, figured out and he took tons of odd jobs and then, you know, ended up with two really profound losses in my life and am now trying to figure out how to navigate that. I'm very sorry to hear that story, but uh, it sounds unfortunately like one that's not unusual too uh, with people in this situation. Uh, Whitney uh, Whitney Parker, uh, tell us a little bit about your experience. Um, so actually a month before I think the first COVID case came to Minnesota, Um, that's where I am. I was actually in the ICU on a ventilator because I had a really bad asthma attack. The day that I was released from the hospital, everything shut down here. And, um, so we were really terrified, you know, because I had asthma, we were like, okay, nobody in or out. We're not going anywhere. We're going to order our groceries. We were very, very safe. And so I'm still unsure of how it began to attack the family, but actually had five family members in the hospital at once from COVID and we had not been together. Um, It started with my husband's grandmother and then her sister and then my husband's first cousin, Angel, and then my husband's grandma's other sister and then that sister's daughter and then my husband. And surprisingly, the two youngest are the ones that died. With him dying so early in the pandemic, there there were no resources. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know, you know, could I have a funeral? Would anyone be able to come? Um, I actually tested positive and I didn't have any symptoms. So the only thing COVID did to me was it attacked my gallbladder. So I ended up having to have emergency gallbladder removal surgery two days after Leslie passed, it's been really tough. You know, Leslie was the breadwinner. I am a cosmetologist. So, um, I get paid every time I do a client, obviously salons were shut down. So there was no money. Um, and then, you know, when they finally did open up, Leslie passed and I just wasn't ready to go back to work. And so it's, I ended up, his, his truck got repossessed. Um, I really wanted to keep it because it was one of the things on his bucket list that he really wanted this F-150. Um, and you know, I just couldn't do it. And I think that that's, that's, what's been so hard lately is everyone's so excited about not having to wear a mask and getting back to normal, but my normal no longer exists. You know, I, I have one kid who has no idea who his dad is. And then I have one who tries not to think about it too much because it makes her sad. Um, (laughs) And then, you know, clearly this little guy here. Okay. Um, 
but yeah, it's, it's been, um, very trying, um, very lonely. It's a lonely type of grief. Um, you can't really fall apart because you have these kids that need you to get it together. And, um, like I said, everyone, you know, it's out of sight, out of mind. Everyone continues living, even though you feel like your life has just stopped. You're just kind of in limbo, just watching from afar. And there's not much you can do. And there's not much help. You know, we're behind on bills. We're behind on everything. But it's almost like these 600,000 lives that were lost, don't, they don't matter. Their families don't matter. What's being done for us? Chris, when you look at what is most important for uh, survivors and families uh, in this circumstance, what would you single out as the things that are most valuable, most needed? Um, well, I think I think several things. I think one, just acknowledgement. So I think, and you know, it depends obviously whether we're talking about the community or friends and family versus the government. But I think acknowledgement and just listening is really important. Um, and it's very, very understated the value that just listening and letting people be heard um, can do without judgment, without context, without uh, comment. Um, just listening and, and letting people be heard. Um, I think you know, on a government level, recognizing that people. Um, you know, need the support, um, like Whitney said, that people are living with in, in, you know, severe financial circumstances. It's COVID is not over. And for people who lost the breadwinner in their family, um, who need additional support and counseling and resources for their kids um, or for other loved ones, um, showing up in that way is really important. Um, and I think then, you know, making sure this doesn't happen again. This has been really uh, valuable. Uh, Veronica and Whitney, do you have any uh, final points you'd like to make or a final message you'd like to leave with people who will be uh, hearing and watching uh, what we've had to say today? I know when I hear the words post-pandemic in the news, it just really, really gets to me because it's not over. And for those of us who have lost someone, it's never going to be over for us. And so, um, you know, you had asked earlier, what can employers do? I, I really, truly feel like even just having some sort of acknowledgement within your organization makes a huge difference because then it lets everybody know that there are people within your community of work here that are struggling and that are working through something that is life altering and to just be sensitive to one another. I think that that really would go a long, long way. Another part that was really challenging for me, and I was very thankful, but the bereavement leave, that there's no policy federally for bereavement leave. Um, and it's nothing I had ever looked into because I had never lost anybody before. Um, my dad was 63. He was just about to retire. His, you know, my sister gave birth to my niece last July. He had met his his granddaughter twice, his first grandchild. And so, um, you know, my dad died and I got three days of bereavement leave through my company, which of course I'm very thankful for, but then I had to go straight back to work. And I work with children with disabilities in a pretty serious role. And so I'm constantly giving of myself emotionally in this kind of advocacy I do as a speech language pathologist, but was also struggling to take care of myself. I don't know how I made it through the school year. Education is really important when it comes to this. Um, I feel that COVID has really shown us how selfish a lot of people are. 
you know, I did not get this vaccination for myself. I got it for people that aren't healthy enough to get it. I got it for my children who aren't old enough to get it. I am trying to protect the people that I come across every day because I want to make sure that they're safe because I've seen what, you know, COVID can do firsthand. I don't think things would have gotten as bad if people were more selfless instead of selfish. And I think people just really need to understand support is needed. Support is needed. There are too many people out here suffering. My employer has really stepped up, really stepped up. We've done um, videos for the Department of Health. The mask mandate has ended here, but my, my employer, my boss said, we will wear these masks until you tell me it's okay. She has been so supportive. You know, I hope that the people that see this can just really not understand, but um, empathize and try to do what they can to be supportive. To, I mean, you don't have to know me to try to be supportive. And, um, you know, it's a humanity thing. We're all in this together. Well, Veronica, Whitney, and uh, Chris, thank you very much. That was the Vanguard Network's Ken Banta, speaking with members of the support group, COVID Survivors for Change. This podcast is part of Vanguard's Vaccination Project. Ken created the project in partnership with Global Vaccination Advisors. Podcasts like this one are just one of the membership benefits of Vanguard Network, which organizes events, publishes content, and connects C-suite leaders. Our mission is building high-performance leadership. If you'd like more information about us or more information about the vaccination campaign, please visit our website at thevanguardnetwork.com. I'm Irene Silber. Thanks for listening.